Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to a very special episode of She Slays the Day podcast. Well, it may have taken 200 plus episodes to get here, but I tend to have poor follow through. Uh, And so although I planned on this about 100 episodes ago, today is the day that we have, we are breaking gender walls down over, over here on the podcast Yep, we've solved all gender issues. No, we have our first guy on the podcast, um, which is great. You know, if you are new to the podcast, uh, it the podcast definitely started as something where I was speaking, I felt directly to other female chiropractors, kind of like mano y mano, except not mano, because I'm not a mano. I'm a chico, chica. Chica, chica. Anyways, um, you know, just people who had to deal with maternity leave. That was our very first episode. It was about processing through maternity leave when you own a clinic and how do you deal with that? And I just feel like over time, I the veil kind of lifted. It was a false understanding, a false idea that the issues I was going through as a chiropractor, as a mother, as a wife, as a clinic owner, were unique to my gender. Um, and it's funny because I look back now and it's like, that was stupid. But hey, you're stupid sometimes too. And so I realized that obviously 99% of the things that I want to talk about have are really not unique to being a female chiropractor or being a wife. I am... Uh, I'm a parent. I'm a spouse. I am a leader of my patients. Um, I I do bleed. Uh, so guys, sorry, I don't you you're not there with me on that one. But you have patients that bleed, so you can learn even from those episodes, and you can help your patients. Um, so like ultimately, here it is. Now I don't have to respond when I get requests for like, hey, would you like to have this person on your show? And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. They have a penis. We don't allow penises on the show. I don't have to say that anymore. That's not actually how I would say it. Um, So without further ado, it is our first male on the show. No more, no more uh, 
false restrictions on who can be on the podcast. So now I can finally tell Obama that he can come on. Jeez, you guy just won't shut up. Okay. So first, I have a funny story for you about my ADHD. And okay, so I really just need to tether this to a very short story uh, that basically involves um, something I rip on my mom for consistently because I had, my first vehicle was a black Jeep Wrangler and it was awesome. But like it started to get like some scratches on it and my mom decided that spray paint was how she was going to cover up those scratches. And so for years and years and years, I've ripped on her about you know, like, this is not very smart. How how on earth did that even happen? Um, who would, in their right mind, take spray paint to a vehicle and think that that was going to look good? Because, spoiler alert, it, it did not look good, and it had to be professionally fixed. So I'm painting my bedroom this past week, and I am done with the white paint. I, I did a new fresh ceiling, wonderful, and I'm going to throw the roller away. So I take the roller off the, like, holder the handle thing and I'm going and my garbage is like in a this big white cupboard like it's and so I open the white cupboard and I notice that like oh so I have this roller this white roller in like a plastic bag in my hand and I'm about to throw it away but I notice there's all these like nicks in the white um, painted cabinet. Um, it's just been like kind of used and abused for a couple of years and needs a touch up. Well, here I have white paint in my hand as I'm a, that I'm about to throw away and waste while I'm looking at a white cabinet that needs to be touched up. So I'm like, okay, well, I will, I'm going to test this first because I know this is the wrong paint. Like that's cabinet paint. This is ceiling paint. And like, this is bright white and I don't know what color white that is, but, uh, so I just do a little, like small little section, like the size of a dime to see, and it looks fantastic. So then I am, I have the roller off the handle, right? Like I'm about to throw it away. So then I start taking the roller and using it like a paintbrush and trying to touch it up. Well, then I start noticing as I start doing a larger portion of the cabinet, this is this doesn't look great because it's a much brighter white. It's a different sheen, but now I can't really go back. So I keep painting, trying to like blend it and being like, okay, well, maybe if I cover this part, I can stop and it'll like blend into the old part. It got very out of hand. And as I'm thinking it, I'm just like this, this started from you about to throw away this roller. And now like I'm painting a bedroom and how I started painting the cabinets, like it, it was bad. It was really bad. And so I don't think I can make fun of my mom anymore for the spray paint thing because I think I can see how um, the impulsiveness of, of like, I don't like that scratch. I have this paint. I can solve this right now. And then like how it starts spiraling out of control when you're like, oh, this is a bad idea. I can fix this. I can totally fix this. And then in an effort to fix it, you just make it, you make it worse. You make it a lot worse. So Okay, with this episode today, I do want to apologize. If you are a She Slays the Day Patreon subscriber, normally every time that we have a guest on, you get bonus content uh, where they get asked secret questions. Not secret questions. I mean, secret to non-Patreon members, I guess. Um, but as you will see, today's episode ran longer and Dr. Tapper graciously stayed longer. And so I didn't want to be like, 
super greedy and then be like, hold on, five more minutes of questions. So sorry, you'll notice you don't get extra. Everybody has access to all of this this week. Uh, before we jump in, shout out to Sked, which is one of the primary sponsors of the podcast. They make my life so much easier in clinic um, and they just stand head and shoulders. I think you guys, I said a colloquialism, right? Right. Head and shoulders above. That's that's the thing. Yeah, I think so. Go me. Um, absolutely head and shoulders above any other texting service that we've used. Uh, our staff loves it. Our patients love it. We've been using the auto scheduling. It's going great. So for all my control freaks out there who are terrified of the idea of letting your patients schedule, reach out to me. I can give you, I can therapize you. Um, and then I can also give you a promo code to SCED because it's time. Okay. Without further ado, so Dr. Tapper is in private practice in Blair, Nebraska, and has been very active for the last couple years in fighting for medical freedom. He's a worldwide influencer, and his speeches have traveled worldwide, and he is one of the disinformation dozen. We'll get into it. Many consider it a badge of honor, and others, like the president, consider it dangerous information. Dr. Tapper is also the man behind the documentary, The Time Is Now, he is a man of integrity, a father to four beautiful children, and is committed to preserving the art of healing. So going into this podcast, for those, again, that don't know me uh, very well, but maybe you're listening because you've been following Dr. Tapper since the pandemic, you know, and everything exploded uh, with his information and his message, and you just really resonate with him. Um this is a, um, I don't know. I don't even remember some of the questions. I kind of like blacked out because he's really powerful when he speaks, but I always like asking probing questions. Uh, my kids are not vaccinated. I am. I wish I wasn't. So like, I definitely love asking the questions that I think other people might want to know instead of playing the role of host of that's always just like, oh my God, you're so great. Hoorah, rah, yay. Um, I think he's amazing. And I think everything he stands for is really cool. He's substantially more courageous than me. Um, if you do know me, you know that I, this is one of the things that one day I'll work on uh, past coffee enemas. Sometime, I, maybe I'll do getting smarter about vaccines before coffee enemas. I don't know. Depends on my mood. We'll, we'll see. We'll pencil it in for 2024 somewhere. Um, that'll be my word of the year. It'll either be vaccine knowledge or coffee enemas. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So anyways, if you're new, you don't, you may not know this about me, but I love asking questions. I am innately curious and it is always from a place of curiosity, never from a place of an agenda. I always want our guests to look amazing. Like there definitely know that there are some podcasts that really get off on trying to, um, you know, ask the tough questions and corner, like not me, not me at all. I just love leaning into the human experience. And I hope that's what we accomplished. And I hope that this is, if you've heard him before on episodes, I hope that this is a uh, familiar side to him. But also I hope this brings brought out new stories, a new future cast for him and ask some questions that maybe you haven't heard him answer before. So let's pray because whew, this is a good episode. <laughs> Dear God, I know I thank you for all of our guests. Um, 
But personally, on a personal level, the last few years have been difficult, very difficult as, um, as a chiropractor and seeing the so many opportunities where you thought people would wake up to a certain truth. So many different ones, not even just vaccines. And continuing to see family members make decisions that you wouldn't want them to make and friends making decisions that you wouldn't want them to make. And that's, they're not your lives. They're not your children. They're not your bodies. And so thank you for people like Dr. Capper and the other 11 disinformation dozen that have been brave, have risked friendships, have risked relationships to spread information, to spread like science, not a belief system, not a cult system, not disinformation, but just the side that is so kept, so hidden. And it's just so bizarre how truth can be forbidden. And it just, it really gets me thinking like I should be doing more. I should be saying more. And like for now, until I decide, um, thank you for people like Dr. Tapper and uh, help each and every one of us, no matter where we stand on this very divisive topic. Although I know where about 98% of you stand, but anyways, um, help us to receive this conversation openly to, uh, learn, to learn. You might have to put like, slow it down. Um, because the knowledge that is being spewed, like help us to learn, to continue to share and just get that courage to grow in our, in our role as a chiropractor, as a teacher, as a mother, as a father, and as a spouse, as a friend, and just help us get better every day. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, people, without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Ben Tapper. I graduated in 2010 from Northwestern. You, I know you're Palmer. When did you graduate? I graduated in uh, 2012. Oh my God, you just made me feel old. Yeah, when did you graduate? 2010. Oh yeah, no. With your well, beard, I was thought I was gonna be like, damn. Well, are you saying I'm old or what? I look old? I'm saying, no, I feel old. I was hoping you were <laughs> well, older than me. So you're never supposed to ask a woman how old you are, but how old are you? 36. Yeah, you're still young and I'm 40, so I'm older. So I was- Well, what took you so long to graduate? I was on the city crowd. Oh, okay. I was in party mode, okay? Yeah. So I was in party mode central. I always said, you can't have a keg of beer without a tapper. You know? <laughs> so I, you know- I was an undergrad at Palmer down Port Iowa, and we just, I was living it up. I was not there to get through school. I was there to have a good time. There's a social hangout, you know, and I didn't really take it seriously. And so and it was, but it was always going to be chiropractic for you, right? Like uh, I no. kind of, no, no, it wasn't. I mean, I was, I initially went for business my first year cool school, you know, I just, but again, my first year, I was in, like I said, I was uh, in party mode. I, you know, I was very carefree and just, uh, it was a good time, but you know, it, things caught up to me. You know, I got to kind of had a rough go around my early twenties and I got in a bad accident and, you know, and, but it wasn't probably till 
I got thrown in the real world when I was running a warehouse in Omaha. And I was like, man, this really sucks. I need to go back and finish what I started. I was two classes away of getting into chiropractic school. Hmm. And uh, I was running a warehouse in Omaha. And the guy was just micromanaging me. And I did everything. I did all the, I was, it was, I was the only one working inside the warehouse. And so I did all the, the shipping, the receiving, the billing, the inventory, everything. And, and uh, the guy was running me into the ground. And I said, man, if I can work this hard, I can just go finish school. No problem. I really had a whole new appreciation and take on life. And, and so I just came back and I got my head on straight and, and I just busted through the program. And so I went back when I was mid twenties and then I finished it and I graduated when I was, you know, 30 years old. Okay. So now your dad was a chiropractor though, right? Yeah. Yep. My dad was, okay. a, my dad graduated in 75. My sister was a chiropractor. Well, now I feel young again. Thank you. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so my dad graduated in 75. My sister graduated in 2008. Her husband graduated in 2008. So I come from a family of docs, you know, and, and that's kind of led me to the fight I'm in now. I just basically, I, I always say that my dad just handed the baton on to me. Mm-hmm. Continue to continue this fight that we're in, and you know, I view I view what we do as almost a ministry, and like you know, I don't view it as like just a job. I view this profession as a calling. As you know, we are pioneers in the health field. We really need to to be bold. You know, there are don't get me wrong. There are a lot of docs in this field. They're they're in it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it for the wrong reasons, and you know, what's the here- wrong reasons in your opinion? Well, I feel like we know it's not money. Like this right, is not right. an easy profession to make money in, especially. Right. Yeah. Well, they, they are, you know, we're here to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's anything outside of that, I would say is the wrong reason. And so we're here to serve and love people, put our hands on people and deliver the goods. And also to tell the truth, to tell the story, to educate what it means to be true. Uh, you know, what true health is all about. And to me, that's what it's all about. And we need to, um, and so I think there are docs out there that are, they, they've lost that, the heart to serve. And so, in you know, then some of those docs are the most miserable docs in practice. Absolutely. You know, and, and that to me, you know, I used to be really, I worked for docs that had, would micromanage me with numbers, you know, scheduling numbers or, or what we're doing for revenue and, it would drive me nuts because it was a scarcity mentality. And, you know, that's another thing too, is, you know, I don't ever want to, you know, I think it's good to know your numbers, but not dwell on it. If you have like success in practice, it's never just a straight line up. You know, it always kind of has, it has hills and valleys. And so it's important to, you know, I just, I just got rid of this scarcity mentality. I use scarcity maybe in my scheduling and my marketing, if I do market, and when I do market, I, I don't, you know, I haven't, I just opened this clinic in my four, I'm in my fourth week here and we have zero, really zero advertising, zero marketing. And I'm already almost full on my schedule. I don't know if it's fair to say that you have zero advertising. Maybe your clinic does, but your face doesn't. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I made a name for myself out there and that's bringing people in. But even before Corona Baloney, I did zero advertising, zero marketing. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, um, probably for the last five years of practice, I was in practice because it was all referral based. And, and, you know, and, and so these docs though, that would get into this scarcity mentality, it's a disease mentality and it would, it steals the joy of practice. It, it causes mm-hmm. burnout in practice because you're constantly dwelling on the, the small numbers 
and it and really it creates fear, it creates doubt, and it's just a it creates anxiety and worry. You know, I always like to say that worry is a rocking chair. It gives you something to do. It doesn't get you anywhere. Right. But really, it's a it's a stressful state of practice, and it's not a fun place to be. And that that's how I I practiced for the first couple of years under these guys' wing. And it and when I took over the clinic, I said, screw that. I am not going to be focusing on my numbers. And I trained myself to not look at my numbers. I just wanted to just train my mentality, my thoughts. I'm not going to focus on my schedule. I'm not going to focus on my numbers, because I would go up to this my you know if we had a slow week. I would go up to my front desk and hammer them like, hey, are you calling this person? You calling this person? You calling that person? What happened to this person? And I would start micromanaging them. Yep. And it would stress them out like, dude. And so then we had a thing in our office, like my office lady is like, we have a thing called R2. And if if she said R2, I wouldn't ask any more questions. I would understand that she's like her bandwidth. She doesn't have the bandwidth for me to come in and just throw up on her. She's like, I can't handle anymore. Get out of my face. I don't want to talk to you right now. I am already busy i'm already stressed about something so she just like r2 i'm like got it dude i'll, I'll give you your space mm-hmm. and so same thing when she if she came up to me or my other, other staff would come up to me and talk to me i'd say r2 they would just so, say got it i mean you obviously have it's hard to like argue like because like i'm kind of on your side so but like there are chiropractors who went into chiropractic for to serve in their mind well no in their hearts they're serving but they're doing it a very, very different way. You know, these might be chiropractors that signed up, like got the vaccine, encouraged the vaccine, you know, like just a completely like different mindset than maybe a more like where we originated, but like in their heart, they're, they're serving. So where does that sit with you? Like, can you, can you be okay going like all right you're not serving how i would do it but like good for you you do you or does that piss you off so the docs that are pushing the covid vaccine is that your question like what uh, and, no just and, like, like serving different you, you brought up oh. chiropractors like that aren't in it in your mind you know like they're doing it for the wrong reasons but like what if, what about the chiropractors who are practicing completely differently than you philosophically do not believe in wellness care. Don't believe children to be adjusted, like very rehab. We know, like, you know, we know that these chiropractors are there and I don't think they're bad or whatever, but they definitely practice differently than me. They have different beliefs. They think that philosophy is kind of wasted, but they're still serving their patients in their way. Right. Does it well- frustrate you? Oh, totally. I mean, I've had many run-ins with docs like that, especially started crony baloney. I had to educate a lot of these docs on the immune system and the nervous system. I mean, obviously the nervous system controls the immune system. And so mm-hmm. there were docs that were trying to send me articles that the immune system and nervous system are not related and all this other garbage and that the adjustments don't do anything for the immune system. And it just, it, it literally just you know, I was seeing red, my blood pressure was through the roof. I just, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where we need to educate these docs. I feel like these docs are given the profession a bad name. Now it, it doesn't bother me. If you want to go do different things in chiropractic or implement different things in your office or therapies or modalities, I don't, I can care less about that. But as long as you understand them, what we do, I mean, don't downgrade chiropractic or don't uh, bash it and don't. So, I mean, the frustration is that they have a, they're misrepresenting the profession and they, they don't fully understand what we do. And so, I mean, it's, and that's, you know, that's the frustrating part. And so I believe that chiropractic is one of the most unique professions out there. I think it's the, it's one of the most, it's the greatest profession, in my opinion, out there, excuse me, but 
again, it, it's really all about the, the, you know, like what Reggie Gold said, the restoration and, and maintenance of the integrity of the nervous system. And that's what it's all about. I would imagine some of your, I mean, were some, is it fair to say that some of your biggest haters were chiropractors over the last couple of years or like not even remotely compared to the hate thing? Well, that's fair to say. I mean, I, I pissed off a lot of the world. I mean, because you're saying they are misrepresenting the profession. And I would imagine that's exactly what they were angry at you for of like, you're making us look bad. You're making us look like quacks type of thing. Oh, well, here's the thing. Let me just give you a recap. So I educated, my dad fought back the vaccine industry since the seventies. I was never vaccinated, caused a massive wedge in the family. My aunt and uncle are pharmacists and they always wonder why my dad vaccinated us, right? So I never vaccinated my kids. I've been fighting this fight for over 10 years in the vaccine industry, you know, trying to shine light on it, educate as many people. I put on vaccine seminars. I put on influenza workshops and say, look, there's manipulation of data with a subdivision of uh, the CDC called the National Vital Reporting System. I would talk about the manipulation of numbers, how they're there to push the influenza vaccine, how they always add comorbidities. Uh, and I would follow the narrative and legislation very closely. And I would talk about how they're pushing an agenda. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what they were planning on doing. I mean, the World Health Organization in 2019 stated that the greatest threat are those who refuse vaccinations. They need to come after people with disinformation. You have the ACIP, which is Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices, state that, you know, the greatest, um, or I'm sorry, they said that they can't force vaccinate, but they can force compliance. Okay, so that was all going on. And so in 2019, I held a seminar, and I was pushing, you know, trying to get this information out there. And so Early on, you know, I had patients on Facebook, social media uh, got me in trouble with a lot of caros early on because not everybody, there was a lot of caros on my side. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But the ones that we're talking about here, they, I had a patient ask me, Dr. Hepper, are you saying that I should come see you if you got it, if, if I have Corona? I'm like, yeah, come see me. It's the best thing you can do, right? I didn't wear a mask in my office. I, I, I didn't have stickers on my door, my floor. You know, I put hands on every patient. I, my office was a normal place, right? And so doctors took screenshot of that, what I posted, and they're like, oh, Dr. Tapper's saying that chiropractic can cure COVID, and, oh, and he's telling patients to come in his office. And and so, you know, and that's the thing, too. And I would tell these doctors, how many patients do I have to see? How many violations do I have to be in or break before the whole contagion claim is mathematically impossible? And so, you know, you know, we, we average 300 people a week during the whole pandemic and, and not once did I get sick. And, and here I am today, I, I'm un, unvaccinated and I'm, I've yet to get sick. And so what does that tell, tell you? And so I would have to educate these doctors too, because they were telling me that he's, he's saying that the, it can help boost the immune system. Well, I, it baffles me. The frustration part is because, you know, BJ Palmer wrote a book or sorry, in the beacon, during the Spanish flu, and uh, and he wrote in there a few fearful physicians forced funny frivolous for a few frenzied folks, and he talked about the. How did the, the hell did you memorize that sentence? <laughs> that is like the most tongue twister ever. Okay, right, it say it one more time. It's a few. Uh, oh my goodness! Now you're going to put me on the oh, spot. I'm so sorry. I got in your head. <laughs> um, a few fearful physicians forced few, uh, funny frivolous for a few frenzied folks, and so basically it was about the Spanish flu and the manipulation of data. And how there was fear mongering uh, to coerce people into getting the experimental influenza vaccine. Okay, we are literally reliving mm-hmm. the era of BJ's time. And so now I'm I apologize, but are, is your audience mostly Kairos? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Doctors, listen. 
This is our time to be bold, to stand the ground, to be the pioneers in our field. The same soil that was rich during B.J. Palmer's time is rich today. And we need to understand that because he wrote the book or the, the Beacon article, The Spanish Flu, and he, and he shined the light on it. And all they did was it created chiropractic to sprout. And so we need our second generation chiropractors and that same soil is rich today. They pushed an experimental garbage influ influenza vaccine 100 years ago. They used the, they weaponized the common cold and they did the same song and dance a hundred years ago. And we are literally uh, reliving history here. And so it is vitally important that we recognize that because the people are starving for it. And the tides have turned right now in the favor of true health. People are, are, are they're begging for this information. And so we need to be the pioneers in this field and educate the masses, not only on just the, the, the crony baloney and the COVID vaccine and all this nonsense, but on all vaccines. I mean, it goes against physiology. It goes against the way God made the, the immune system, the nervous system. And so that's what it's all about. And, you know, and so that's, that's my heart to, yep. to, 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 for these chiros to really take the reins of this mess because the time is now. It really is. So do you feel like the, like you can just get down such a rabbit hole as you start learning things. And I feel like vaccines are there. I mean, they're deep into the rabbit hole, but it's not as deep as it gets. So yeah. I know oh, I have to be protected from like, um, going like down deep into it because like I can yeah you can show me a documentary on anything and I'm like yep absolutely so that obviously has its flaws because you could show me a documentary on anything and I'm like all right well um right. straws are bad so how did you stay with vaccines instead of continuing deeper down the chain of just like regulation and like government control like there's, I mean, vaccines aren't the end game here for them, right? Like it's got to go bigger than that. So, okay. So you brought up World Health Organization, brought up um, like those that are not vaccinated, kind of like target number one or prime target. Why? Why do you think that that's their stance? Not why do they say that's their stance, but like what what's their... What's the agenda there? Well, this is a, we're fighting globalist, satanic people here. I mean, obviously it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out this isn't about health. I mean, they so you believe that they don't believe that what they're doing is good, or do you believe they're so brainwashed to think that it is good? Yes. And yes, you got people that are obviously believe that what they're doing is good. You have all the, the, the virtue signaling, get the vaccine, go get, mm -hmm. I got my vaccine. Here's my sticker. Here's my patch. Let's put a little Facebook ring around. Disinformation is deadly. Oh, I got my COVID-19 boosters. Okay. People are really believing this nonsense, right? And then you got the physicians that are getting this top-down information that, that believe this nonsense. And then you got the physicians that truly see through for what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of true doctors out there that are questioning the narrative that mm -hmm. are that are awake to this whole nonsense and those are the doctors that are the true physicians the practicing physicians are the true physicians the ones that really care and see through this and that want to shine a light on it 
And those are the doctors that are being silenced and censored like myself. And so again, there's all walks of life here. You're going to find anybody that's that's going to believe this narrative. You're going to have people virtue signaling. And then you got the, 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 you know, the puppet masters here at the top. And, you know, I don't like to put out too much conspiracy or sound like a, a tinfoil hat here, but you do have, you know, the World Economic Forum's Agenda 2030. You had a 2021, 2030. I mean, you had the Event 201, which was a dress rehearsal to the Corona Baloney. You got, you know, now the contagion catastrophe that was just last October that makes me nervous. And it's an exhausting burden that we carry, those that seek the truth in this whole thing and carry this weight, because it's important that we do that. A, I believe that we're in a war footing here. I just, you know, and I feel like so many people are choosing comfort over controversy or challenge. You know, that reminds me of the quote from MLK Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. He said that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in times of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Mm -hmm. So many men right now just want to be live vicariously through sports and football. And I could, I give two shits. Oh, I don't usually don't cuss. I could give two shits about that. And I don't, and I, you know, I just don't care about that. You know, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, you know, it's one of those sayings. It's just one of the, it's just something that so many men, I feel like they're not being men and we need men to stand more than ever. I mean, I, I do these vaccine talks and it's all women showing up and nothing against women. That's great. And your podcast, there are probably a lot of mama. Bears this is out. a Jordan Peterson safe home. Don't worry. Yes. Good. So we're, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Yeah. It's like, we, you know, the women are though. I, it's like, man, I just, you need, we need the, the men to step up too, just like the women. I mean, the women have been in this vaccine fight longer than the men have. And it's like, and, and so I feel like over the last year, the Calvary has arrived and, and some of the, a lot of the men have been standing up, but we need more men to step up to battle here and really see, uh, and see the, the light in this whole agenda. And it, it is a burden. I don't like to be doom and gloom, but we need to understand that there's a lot coming at this country more than just a vaccine. And we like, you know, just the, I campaigned for Ron Paul back in 2011, you know, and, and he shined the light on the federal reserve for me. And I was blown well, away. That's why I asked, like, how do you, how do you just, do you just get equally passionately angry about all these other things? Like, how do you, cause you would, you wouldn't be able to accomplish anything. Like you right. wouldn't be, you wouldn't have any emotional energy left for the relationships in your life. So like, mm -hmm. how do you, not go down all the rabbit holes. Oh, trust me, I have. I mean, I've. It's all. It all boils down to good versus evil. That's what it's about. And so, you know, I I'm a Christian. I believe God's real. I, you know, I I put my faith in Christ, and it's like thank God for that because I would be, I would have given up and said screw it, I'm done. I don't want to fight anymore. But I understand that this is a fight between good and evil. And I must stay the course. I must run the race. And it is a is a burden. It is a heavy burden. But God makes our burdens light. His yoke is easy. And you know, but I I've been down about every rabbit hole that I can. And I've met some crazy people. I you know I'm friends with Jimmy Levy. I don't know if you know who he is, but like Jimmy Levy, he was on American Idol. He's been in the movement. Um, he just shared the other day like. His account on Instagram is at like 1.2 million followers, but Instagram removed 1.2 million followers just in the last 90 days. So it would have been over 2 million. And they've been doing that to me too forever. My account was hitting three to 4 million people a month. And then when Biden called me out on national television, 
all my social media was deleted. And so like my accounts will grow, but then they take out, it's like a hole in the bucket. It'll grow, but I'll lose almost the equal amount of followers. Mm-hmm. So it just looks like it's just staying steady. And so it's so frustrating because that's why I just give up on those platforms. Like, you know, do I really care about getting that following anymore? Do I really care about being an influencer on the social media? Like I had to say what I had to say, and I'm still going to keep pursuing and putting that truth out there and putting the truth out there, you know, and, um, or is it just going to be, am I doing it for the wrong reasons? And so like, I just like screw those bastards. I don't even want to be on their platform anymore, but um, because I was just using it to trying to get, you know, information out. That's the right. whole purpose I was using it for. I wasn't doing it for publicity and prosperity and so many people. Well, and it. it's kind of a slippery slope mentally of like more followers means more information out there. Yeah, more money, more patience, like all those things, right? Those mm-hmm. those incentives there. And yeah. not once did I really market to advertise, uh, to to monetize that um, those accounts. Um, I was doing it for 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 the greater good to get information out. And, you know, we did raise fun, funds for the documentary, which we didn't make any money on. We just pushed the documentary out and that was raised by, you know, don- donations and, and hence why we're also in a lawsuit against the TNI because we're suing all the mainstream because they, they, our accounts were, our, you know, we were raising, uh, you know, $30,000 a month for our documentary. And mm-hmm. then that was, it was like a, a God thing, like crazy, unheard of donations. They're just flowing through. And all of a sudden, when when they deleted all my accounts, boom, uh, we went from nothing. And then PayPal, Venmo seized our accounts and seized the money. And so it uh, it really, you know, put a squash on things. And then it just, by the grace of God, we squeaked by and finished the, the funding of the documentary and got it out. Um, but anyway, so there's that, right? So- and, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say to it, but like, so for people who don't know, I think these are your words. Maybe I'm, hopefully I don't offend you here, but like you were pretty much a nobody prior to the fact or when you showed up to the city council meeting, right? In, yes. yep. And yep. So you were a nobody. Lo- no, I'm just kidding. No. So, so you nobody, up- <laughs> <laughs> I so, wasn't nobody. I, I like to say I'm a little, I'm beach tapper, yahoo.com, small town chiropractor, right? That just right. was passionate. To go speak us, I just saw. Do you all have this- any idea? Was there like any idea that it was going to go off like it did? Because I mean, that got million. That was just launched everything, right? Yes, it had three million views in twenty four hours. It was insane. So it was one of the most profound things that ever happened in my life. Like my life has never been the same. It did it just. A, it was it was just the weirdest thing. Like everything just shifted. Every, every aspect of my life shifted everything practice, my personal life, everything you could think of shifted at that moment. My life was never the same, you know, and you and can't argue like that is a divine appointment. It was hundred percent divine. And the crazy thing is I was, re- I remember praying, Lord, let these words travel far and wide, let these words travel far and wide. And I, and the thing was, I didn't go in there thinking, oh, I'm going to get all this publicity. I'm going to get all this popularity. I went in there because my convictions were greater than my fear of persecution, my greater than my complacency. I went in there knowing full well I was going to be persecuted. 
my wife said to me, you better be careful. You get, you, she said, you better know what you're getting yourself into. Look at all those cameras sitting there. Mm -hmm. There was 30 physicians at the med center. I was the only doctor of chiropractic there. I was the only doctor against them. I was the only doctor in opposition. They gave all those clowns as, as much time as they wanted to speak. They gave me three minutes. And so I had to have my speech down to the second and so when homeboy interrupted me and told me to calm myself down, I'm like, you just took four seconds out of my speech. I just kept, kept going forward. And I just kind of had, I just had to keep speaking. And I was like a dog out of the kennel. I had to listen to six hours of this propaganda of this nonsense. And so all this like conviction was just pouring into me, just pouring into me and it's just growing. So when I got down there, I was like, Lord, turn me into a lion. I just kept praying that turn me into a lion. And I got in there and I spoke, I spoke passionately with my conviction pouring out of me. I went home. I had to like just calm down. And it's like yeah. I was just nervous system needed a little regulation after that. Yes, it did. And so I just went home. I had dinner. Just reading to my kids. I didn't look. What did your phone. wife say to you? Was she no. like a beaming? Like I'm so proud of you, or was she was like, God damn it, Ben? You, no, what did no. you do? My wife is cool, calm, and collective. Right in moments where there should be a lot of excitement, she's cool, calm, and collective. Right. It's always there's not a whole lot of emotion either way. Right. And so, which is cool, she grounds me out. And so like, I, you know, went home, had dinner, like nothing, nothing. And I, you know, I was reading to the kids and then um, I looked at my phone, which was a mistake. And I opened up my social media and it was like a slot machine. First, I thought my app was broken. I thought my notifications, like, what the heck is going on? Cause my notifications like, it was just like, like constantly like the slot machine. And then all of a sudden all these messages like I got a, like a thousand messages in my inbox. I'm like, what the heck? And then like, then all of a sudden, uh, like the friend request, I had, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of friend requests. And I, I, it was overwhelming. And messages, thousands of messages were just flocking in. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, I knew that was going viral. And then uh, I get all these text messages, phone calls, like just coming in, I'm like what the and hell? And not all supportive. I can oh, like that, right? No, like, it's not no, like, yay, no. thank you for finally, I'm sure some of them were amazing. Oh, yeah, but like, I mean, there was a ton of positive, yeah, ton of positive, but you know, um, and there's a negative. And so, but I always like to say, don't let the negative few ruin the positive many. And we have, you know, because the positives outnumber the negatives and, and our mind likes to focus on those negative few, right? And that's a trap. And so, yes, I had a lot of negative. I mean, there's been a lot. I had, uh, you know, all these, excuse me, when that happens too, like I go into public and people knew who I was. Hey, I didn't, excuse me, I didn't wear a mask anywhere I went. And so people were like, oh, there's that guy, right? Mm -hmm. I spoke. And so people would, you know, see me in the store, they put their mask down, like, hey, good job. Like, hey, thanks. Take off your mask. And like, and, you know, they would, they would, you know, recognize me, which was weird. And, you know, and then, but good and bad. Like I had a, a punk, like, put his shoulder into me one time when I was on a date with my wife and we almost got into a fist fight and it was my wife's like you overreacted and it was at this time like because I you know I and I felt kind of embarrassed but I was just like I didn't I I had zero bandwidth to put up with any more of this mm -hmm. you know and like especially if you touch me like the guy put his shoulder to me and then I put him in his place and I was like you know you can't do that to somebody especially you don't know me you know I'm a stranger to you and that's not, that's not an appropriate response, how to act. I was just defending myself. And so anyway, the, again, it did cause massive wedges in the family relationships, 
but like I wasn't seeking the approval of men, right? I, again, I felt like God was convicting me to do something, to speak out, to speak boldly. And I was listening to that voice and I was going to abide by that and surrender to that voice and, and take action. Again, I knew full well I was going to be persecuted, but I can't, we can't fear persecution and we can't choose comfort and convenience. It wasn't a comfortable thing for me to do, but again, my convictions were greater than my complacency and I spoke out and I spoke boldly. And that's what's missing in this profession. We need bold men and women to speak boldly, to have that conviction, to find that conviction, whether it's in your practice, whether it's with one patient. And you know that my speech went around the world and it goes to say what BJ said, that it is true, that we never know how far reaching something we may think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. I'm a nobody. I'm a bhtapperyahoo.com, small town chiropractor that spoke passionately with conviction. And, you know, and now it's like I made a global impact. You know, if you have told me three years ago, I would be sitting down with RFK Jr. and having dinner with him. I would have laughed in your face. And we text back and forth now. It's like, I'm like, is this really happening? That's crazy. It's, it's what? insane. Okay. So like, let's say God said, all right, Ben, I'm going to show you your options. There's this route that you've lived the last three years. Or, you know what? I can come up with something different that uh, you'll still live your life's purpose. Like, what percentage of you, because I know I was going to originally ask, would you do it again? But, like, you're going to say yes. <laughs> so, like, you can already tell you're going to, you're not going to say, no, nah, I kind of regret. Um, but what part of you just kind of aches for, like that sucked. Like, did it have to be, or are you just like, no, I have loved the last three years. This is exactly how it was meant to be. I would never choose a different thing. You know, I wouldn't change anything, but my heart aches. Mm -hmm. It hurt. My heart aches for those who don't want to listen or that are not capable of sitting at the table and having dialogue. My heart aches for those who choose slander versus dialogue, you know, and my heart aches for those who feel like they need to come and attack me. Like my truck was vandalized. My home was broken into my, I've had threats. You know, my phone was hacked. My wife's phone was hacked. My office, we got negative reviews that came through from just angry people, you know, all these things happen. But again, it's like, man, those people are the people that I'm speaking out for. Those are the people that I'm trying to reach. It's like, you know, it's easy to, to get along with people that are already on my side. I don't need to educate those people. They already, they already know. Right. Like these people, these people are the, the tend to be the sick people, the people that really need the truth, the people that are hurting, that are blind to this madness. And those are the people that I'm trying to reach. And it's like, that's where my heart aches. And that's where my, my heart is. That should be all of our hearts because those are the people that we're trying to reach. We're trying to be the light in the dark. We're trying to be the lighthouse to them. And so that's where my heart is. And that's where my heart continues to be. And so when you go back, I just look at all the people that hate me or slander me, like, and, and try to persecute me. But if they knew my heart, I think they would change their demeanor. They would change their, it would change their perspective because the media has slandered me so much as this, you know, disinformation, whatever, right? And, it's, and people... 
people take that and that's who that's how they identify me. But the people that are on my side, it's like, man, they're like, you're the information dozen. It's like you, I'm like, amen. Right. But I just so I don't know if I answered that question, but it's that's where I'm at. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of our primary sponsors of the podcast, Insight CLA. The Insight Tech moves the message off the spine and into the nervous system where the magic of the adjustments can be measured and tracked. Everyone from newborns to seniors are being scanned in my practice and in thousands of other practices like ours so they can be examined and inspired to choose chiropractic care. It's like an instant referral machine because the scans are so visible and informative. Like what patient wouldn't want to know how their nervous system is performing? The staff at CLA are ready to take care of you and answer any questions you may have. They also have an incredible online academy that can help train everyone in the office and help them to feel confident on how to get perfect scans and how to interpret the results. We have been using the Insight technology in our clinics for over seven years now, and it is a complete game changer for conversion, retention, and patient education. Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to make sure you all know about the cool stuff we have happening over on Patreon. This is a platform where I can offer you extra content, behind the scenes interviews, quick trainings, and exclusive trainings answering your exact question live, back to back with me. It's a way for me to more directly interact with you and post some fun things that would never be in the normal weekly episodes. To check out what we're doing and to sign up, click the link in the show notes. Hey, She Slayers. I just wanted to take a moment to ask you, have you heard of PX? I don't know. Have I mentioned them before? (laughs) So they're practically everywhere these days and I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on our show because they are on a mission that I can seriously get behind. So Dr. Tony and his team have designed a pediatric, prenatal, and family chiropractic training program that has online and live event training opportunities to learn step-by-step the science, clinical protocols, and business systems behind building a thriving pediatric and family chiropractic practice. Now, here's what's extra cool. It doesn't matter if you're a student, startup, or practicing chiropractor. I mean, I am a member and I've been in practice for over 12 years now. Each and every bit of their training is applicable to you and where you're at. I've been a part of PX for a while now, and I can say that there's no one better in the space to lead you and to lead this profession than Dr. Tony and his team. If you want to take your practice to the next level in serving more kiddos and families in your community, then you must check out PX. I will drop a link in the show notes so you can head over to thepediatricexperience.com and let them know She Slays the Podcast sent you there for a special little bonus. Hey, She Slayers. When I first started practice, I thought I needed to dress a certain way for patients to trust me and I spent hours trying to design communication and marketing materials that worked. After 12 years of practice, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't have to wear dress pants and button-ups for a patient to take me seriously. And two, why recreate the wheel when a design professional has already done all the work for me? Well-Aligned offers solutions in both of these categories. 
They have the coolest and most comfy chiropractic shirts that will showcase your personality as well as beautifully designed communication and marketing tools to help drive new patients, get more referrals, and gain better retention in your practice. From the best chiropractic apparel to modern patient education materials, Well Aligned has you covered. All She Slayers get 10% off plus free shipping on orders of $75 or more with promo code SHESLAYS. Visit www.wellaligned.com to save. So did you, do you feel like you needed to be a chiropractor to live out this purpose? I, I wonder that. I wonder if I, you know, part of me would love to just go sell ice cream and just make everybody happy, right? And well, you so could still talk about vaccines and sell ice cream. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Run. you could still do this, but just scoop Scoop, so darn vaccines are crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, you know, I wonder that. I wonder if I if I didn't go down this path, where would I be? You know, I think if I wasn't a chiropractor, I'd probably be ministry, you know. But again, I view what I do as ministry. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know what I what that would have looked like. You know, I I question that a lot, but um, well, because it's like I I have the voice of I don't remember infectious disease. Like I'm like taken back to my my chiropractic days, and I'm pretty sure it was infectious disease. And I remember the teacher. I remember the room and where she was standing. And I just remember her saying, like, you know, I wish chiropractors wouldn't have chosen the vaccine hill to die on mm. like and it was just like what the first of all shut right. Uh, like right but um so it's one of those things where like for some people they might some chiropractors they might go like in your journey in your mission to bring light to vaccines you're not bringing light enough light or you're not focused on chiropractic and the adjustment and subluxation so like how what's your response to that like what do you what are your thoughts well dd palmer so there a pick up a green book and dive into that so you know dd palmer wrote in oh my goodness i'm trying to remember the title of the green book i'm drawing a blank the adjuster i believe so he wrote in there about you know, he, I don't have the quote memorized, but he said, basically, no one will um, vaccinate my children with blood poisoning concoctions unless they do so over my dead body. I mean, oh, it's you- actually written in our will that uh, and I've like drunkenly brought it up multiple times to my sister and brother in law that like, you know, you yes. do not vaccinate them, right? And they're like, yes, yes. I'm like, so even over my, under my dead body, yeah. like, yeah. not. Yeah. Same thing. Like I, you know, it is a hill that I'm going to die on or will die on or what I'm willing to die on. You know, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's something that once you really understand it and, ed- and get educated on it, it's, it's, uh, you see how toxic they are. And, but, uh, but it, you know, it is, it DD took it up and BJ took that fight up as well. And people are forgetting that history. And I have articles to prove that they were just as passionate as I am about vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And it, it's there, the history's there. It's just, you know, we weren't really educated in school about, oh, their stance on vaccinations because it's, it, 
you know, and I believe that was by design because it created such a, you know, anytime you talk about vaccines prior to crony baloney, it had this negative stigma about it and you couldn't talk about it. And that's a problem. Scientists have to talk about it. Yeah. is yeah, right. a problem. Right. And so science is have is observational, but it's also having a dialogue, you know, and, and so when they have these little stinking bumper sticker slogans that the science is settled or I believe in science, like that's those are bumper sticker slogans that just stop you from questioning. And so we need to ask questions. We need to observe and ask questions and have a dialogue. That is, that's how science works. And, and we're not doing that when it comes to these vaccines. And so once you start asking questions, you're going to realize, oh my gosh, none of this makes sense logically. And, you know, especially if you have, you know, any background in immunology, um, it's in, it's all, it's in immunology textbooks and you can see that like, oh, like, you know, once you start reading about antibodies and, and, and um, you know, antigens and, and immunoglobulins and the response times and, and realizing, oh, my goodness, the two-week period that they claim that it takes, uh, you know, for your body to develop an antibody to that vaccine already triggers an immediate immunoglobulin, immunoglobulin E, which is responsible for inflammation, you realize real quick, oh, my goodness, that's how these are causing all of these um, you know, um, these, these negative adverse reactions and how they're causing what I say, like the, you know, the six Ds, which degeneration, demyelination, you have, um, sensory disorders, you have, um, you know, death. And then I, I even say dysphoria, look at all the, you know, you have different ingredients in these like WI 30 or 38, which is a Windsor Institute cell line from a female fetus, which is used in polio and influenza vaccines. Uh, it's a lung tissue from a three-month-old, and they call it a mortal cell. But uh, I'm going down rabbit holes here. But awesome. in, in, in the COVID vaccine, you have HEK293, which is a kidney cell from a male fetus. You have Olax2, which is a water bag abortion cell line that was put out in 2017 from China, and that's used now in, in most of your vaccines. And then now we have this mRNA technology vaccine. That's like they're going to try to use all this type of technology, which is absolutely terrifying. And if you dive into DARPA, and the CRISPR-Cas9 type technologies, that's what this is. I don't care how they word it, verbalize it, how they present it. It's the most terrifying technology on the planet. And, you know, this whole polymerase chain reaction test, the PCR test that they put on everybody is a DNA grab. And, you know, we're not, uh, nobody seems to question that, but, you know, the, the whole pandemic is so, this whole corona is so deadly and it's, why can't we just swab you know, the mask or swab the, the outside of the mouth to get a, a test, you know, they do now the saliva, but, but, you know, you know, the, the initial test was a, they would just jam that Q-tip to the posterior mm -hmm. canal of sciences, and then they would activate because they needed DNA sampling to activate the PCR. And now, you know, they have all this DNA and now they use CRISPR-Cas9, they use this polymerase chain reaction test, and that tells you exactly what the gene is going to express and now big pharma has all this information on top of this mRNA technology, like you start going to rabbit holes. I mean, you are, you're giving them all of this information about your body and it's terrifying. Like they, they have zero integrity. So what are they going to do with that information? And so, you know, so you really believe zero good intent. Zero. I mean, these people have zero really? integrity. So you they, they, I believe. So going back you can like, be. What was the first vaccine? What was the, I don't know. So you have smallpox. Okay. So like the, the OG of vaccines, like the scientists creating it, do you believe it like started 
as a weapon? Or do you uh, believe it? No, I mean, I do you believe, believe there was good intent in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think there was good intent. I do. It's just, you know, they wanted when to. When they realized what they created and what its effects, like at what point did they feel like they had gone too far and it turned into what it is? Like, well, you there's a really good book out there. You could, it's called Dissolving Illusions. And that's it gives you the history of kind of the vaccination and how it got all started. And so that's a really good book. I mean, start with there. Dissolving Illusions is a phenomenal book. Um, you know, there's another one out there called The Poison Needle. That's another good book that kind of goes into history. And, you know, but, you know, to starting out, it, it might have been for good purposes and good reasons, but they realized really quick, obviously, the financial incentives to these vaccinations. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, I can't stress enough the, the craziness of the Spanish flu and how similar it is to the corona pandemic mm -hmm. because it was almost identical. They had people said, you know, wear a mask or go to jail. It was all this virtue signaling. B.J. Palmer wrote in the article, does a mask literally stop a virus? We can't even see the virus. And yet, you know, does a hog fence keep out mosquitoes? That was, he, that was his direct quote. Uh, but, you know, I... You, you know, you go back to the polio, even polio, uh, the vaccine, there was Dr. Otto, who was a physician, and he was presenting um, his polio vaccine that he created to the board. And it was in the late 50s. And he said, this is so safe and effective that I'm going to vaccinate my grandchild, my grandson and my granddaughter. So he, he believed, I believe that he thought that this was so safe and effective, possibly that he's going to do it and vaccinate his, his grandchildren. Well, his granddaughter died within 24 hours of the shot, and his son got uh, transmyelitis. And so, needless to say, that vaccine never hit the market, right? But the the live attenuated vaccines did. And if you looked at those live attenuated, those were uh, the polio cases were the highest in Pakistan. That's when they used live attenuated. Then they realized, oh, we needed to use a dead cell. So then they implemented the dead cell, and the polio started going going eradicated. But if you read the moth in the iron lung. That gives a history of the polio vaccine. It's one of the best books. It was written by a medical historian talking about the history of the polio vaccine and how it's how it came about and how it's really tied to arsenic and lead-based pesticides. And it just makes sense. And so there's there's that. Polio is, re is related to that? Yeah. So like, okay. you know, pol polio means gray, uh, right? Poliomyelitis. So myelospine spine, itis, inflammation. So if you have... Uh, we would we'd always diagnose polio by, um, you know, location and observation. So basically, it would be location of the anterior gray horn of the spinal cord. So we'd always, in an observation, we'd observe inflammation of the anterior gray horn of the spinal cord. And so we'd observe it and say, well, you got polio, right? And in the history of, of the medical establishment, if they don't, if they don't know what's caused or what the causes of something, they don't say it's virus, virus, virus. That's their kind of like their way of just kind of brushing on the rug and just making people satisfied. Well, it's a virus, like scurvy. They're like, oh, virus, right? So, but scurvy was a deficiency of vitamin C, right? Then they prove that like, oh, I guess it's not a virus. It's just, what do you know? You're deficient in vitamin mm -hmm. C, right? So again, goes back to like what Chestnut always says, oh, toxicity deficiency, the cause of all disease, right? So like you got that, but polio, they did the same thing. It's based on a virus, based on a virus. Well, before they could really prove what the cause is, the vaccine got implemented. And so like, oh, see, the vaccine saved everybody. But really, um, the moth, the gypsy moth tells the story. The gypsy moth, they brought the gypsy moth in and, and they basically 
it was a foreign moth in this area in, in Boston, and it basically took over. And it was just going crazy. So they had to bring in scientists to get rid of it. And they brought in, like, they just created this arsenic-based pesticide. And it, you know, it they sprayed it everywhere. But it wasn't sticking. So they they used, they added lead. And it just, like, sprayed Jesus. this stuff everywhere, right? And like, oh, what do you know? It can kill some of the bugs. It, was it can the kill bugs. the moths. So it was literally like they're spraying it on vegetables and fruits. And, and if you look at, um, oh, my goodness, um, I'm forgetting his name. The uh, the president uh, that had polio. What's his name? What's his name? I'm forgetting his name. Okay, either way, I'm drawing a blank. My goodness. So he uh, there's record of him. He was healthy as can be. He went into I believe it was Boston, the area where that gypsy moth was. He ate an apple. He jumped into the river or lake to swim to race his boy. When he jumped in, he had hyperesthesia. And you know that is a adverse reaction to a vaccine. It's on the vaccine labels. I can show it to you. And it's like he felt like his legs were like needles were stabbing his legs. Again, that is like a sign of of it's a vaccine inverse reaction. And then he get, you know, what I like to say, transverse myelitis, but they said it was polio because, you know, transverse myelitis. Again, you have inflammation in the spinal cord. And so why, are, why don't we call that polio? And I believe that polio still exists. It's just different names, because if you have inflammation in the spinal cord, it's, you know, it's essentially polio, but it, they rename it. We have transmyelitis or meningitis, and it's, it's the same thing. It's bioidentical to polio because polio, remember, is just inflammation in the gray matter of the spinal cord. And so if we have inflammation in the gray matter of the spinal cord to this day from other reasons, like if I were to give you arsenic, guess what that's going to do? It's going to attack the gray matter of the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a neurotoxin. Same with lead. It attacks the, the inflammation the, the, or it causes inflammation in the brain and the spinal cord, and it's a neurotoxin. <clears throat> and so why don't we call that polio? But we know that there's a cause. There's always a cause, right? And so people have been adopted and indoctrinated in this thinking that viruses are just, oh, bad luck or just causes this thing in the body. There's always a cause. And I believe that there's viruses don't exist outside the body. Viruses can't exist in the body, but they don't. And the root word of a virus is really toxin or poison. You know, but we've been ingrained in this thinking that viruses are like this airborne boogeyman that just, we just mm -hmm. we run into it and get, and, you know, we got sick because of bad luck. And it doesn't matter our, 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 the way our nervous system is functioning or our immune system is functioning. It's just bad luck that we got sick. But really, that's just not true. And what Chestnut says too is bad science. It really is bad science. And so, again, we need to dive into the roots of virology and look at what really, what virology really is. And yeah, virology does exist, but it's not, it doesn't exist on how we're, what we're being taught and what we're being told. And the Gosh, whole system would collapse if we allowed, if, if the minds were open to like, go like, well, maybe, maybe this is completely different than we thought. Like you couldn't do that. The whole system would collapse. So what about for people who have shitty immune systems? Like, what do you, you know, because you've referenced, you know, like, yep our immune system, the way we were designed right. is so, beautiful. It's perfect, but not everyone's is perfect. Right. Well, again, we need to, um, there's a good book out there by Thomas Cowan, vaccines and autoimmunity. Um, uh, you know, we, we bypassed the way God made the immune system, right? So the chiropractor is listening. We didn't need to educate our patients on the importance of breastfeeding, breastfeeding those babies, that's the best vaccine you can give those babies. You know, the colostrum, the golden milk is loaded with immunoglobulin A. That immunoglobulin A's whole purpose is to seal and prepare that baby's immune system for life, 
right? So we need to, 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 to breastfeed those babies. That immunoglobulin is going to go in there and seal the esophagus, seal that stomach. It's going to set that baby up. And, and so breastfeeding is so important. But if babies that aren't breastfed or that are, that are on formula fed are sicker more often, they, have, they don't have that immune system because they're not equipped with that immunoglobulin excuse me, that immunoglobulin A, but a great book out there, Vaccines and Autoimmunity by Thomas Cowan. Highly, highly, highly recommend that book. It's a phenomenal read. Thomas Cowan is a brilliant mind. He also has a lot on the contagion claim um, and uh, the contagion myth. And so he's a, he's, a, he's a great resource to have. But, you know, going back to the immune system, we have autoimmune disorders now more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I think that majority of them are due to vaccinations, but, you know, they always say, well, it's in the gut. Well, if you look at Dr. Wakefield's research, they're all, they interfere with the gut because, you know, most of your immune system is in the gut. And so vaccinations can interfere with the whole gut process and cause inflammation in the gut and cause problems. Because I, I believe when you're throwing antigens, like when the vaccinations into the, you know, circulatory system, it, 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 it kind of, it creates backwards, backdoor immune processes that should never occur. You know, when I, uh, when we breathe things in, or if we have an antigen come in through like an orifice in the body, that creates an immediate immune response. The Marines, remember the IgMs, the immunoglobulin M, the Marines, the first to fight. And that's what triggers an immune response immediately, right? But if I bypass that system, I inject into the circulatory system, and I going back to IgE, immunoglobulin E, that's the, you know, the the antibody response, the correct antibody response, and they'll tell you any inflammation at the injection site is normal, and that's the problem. When we have any inflammation whatsoever, we know that an antibody is triggered, okay? But they're measuring for a tear or an antibody as a, a variation of immunoglobulin M. And it takes two weeks for that body to recognize, oh my gosh, there's something going on. We need to trigger that immunoglobulin M response. And that's the problem. That right there is the, um, the catalyst to autoimmune because it, it, it is a backwards way of setting up that immune system. We know that immunoglobulin M can be triggered immediately, but immunoglobulin E is triggered instead. And that, what that does, it creates an, an inflammatory response and when we have inflammation that is released, we know that histamine is released. And when histamine is released, that allows that blood-brain barrier to be permeable. And so now we have aluminum nanoparticles, aluminum adjuvants, all these other garbage things in there that can come in like MSG formaldehyde to enter into the nervous system, cause inflammatory properties in the nervous system. That's why, you know, you look at adverse react, look at a vaccine insert, you'll see MS on there. You'll see transverse all these things that attack the nervous system, encephalopathy. You have all these things in there that are causing problems. And that's why I say vaccinations cause degeneration, demyelination, um, disorders. You have death, dysphoria, and all these other things that are, that are, that are messing with that nervous system and look at autoimmune. We have a 10,000% increase in autoimmune disorders. I mean, and so yes, lifestyle can play a massive role, but we have to look at the elephant in the room that these inoculations are causing massive problems to the immune system. They're, 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 they're perverting the immune system. And again, you know, it goes, so take that out of the room. There's that toxicity issue, but then, then there's a deficiency issue. I mean, our food is designed to look better, smell better, taste better, but it's nutritionally garbage, bankrupt foods. We're not eating real foods anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And so getting outside, getting your feet on the ground, getting good nutrient dense foods, real foods, grow your foods, um, getting, you know, fermented foods, get the book art of fermentation, start fermenting your foods and getting that good soil based fruit and vegetable bacteria in your gut 
getting away from this fast food nonsense, this, you know, and, and so getting real foods in the gut and the body fast, we, we've got away from fasting. You know, I fast um, all the time. I do a, a um, I'm going to actually enter in a water fast here very soon. I do a fast every, you know, six months. Um, and so that's very important. Fasting is, it, it, it's like dying to yourself and you're stripping yourself, you're starving your, yourself from all these foods and you gain control of, you know, you know, we eat cause we're bored. I've been doing that. I used to be 60 pounds heavier than I am now, but it's really important to get on, you know, good foods and, and fasting is, is, is a great way uh, to do that. And there's a right way and wrong way to come off a of fast. You know, and um, I, the very first fast I did, I did a 10 day water fast and I went on the, on, uh, on the 11th day, I went to an all you can eat famous Dave's barbecue. God. Yeah, I, I like don't I think gonna... that was the right way. I'm assuming that no, was a no, wrong way to come out of a fast. That's a very wrong way to, to come off a fast. I was sick. I got sick and, uh, you know, I felt like there was a, uh, I was like digesting a brick and, you know, and so now when I come off a fast, I usually use bone broth. I implement sauerkraut. Um, you know, just raw foods and take it slow and then kind of go back into my daily, daily living. But, but goodness, I, I ramble a lot. And I, I hopefully I answered your original question. I don't remember what the question was, but I have another one. Most people aren't going to do that. So, okay. So like, I get that your focus is on the people who are ready to listen, who are ready to change, to give up fast food, to incorporate, right. But like, I think that we could agree that there's a very large percentage of the population that will just say, no, nope, nope, not doing that. Well, those those types of people have been taught and indoctrinated thinking that food plays no role in, in health and disease. And that's the problem. There's a saying out there that's like, you know. Um, you know, we're treated by the health industry, which pays no attention to food and the food industry pays no attention to health. Right. And, and I believe it's, um, oh my goodness, cured. John Pollock wrote a book on cured and other things, but he talks about too, like the graduating physicians, only 6% of graduating physicians have a grasp on true nutrition. Right. And even that grasp on nutrition is primitive, but those people that don't want to listen, then I'm not going to waste my energy and time coming after them. You know, it's like, I don't need those people. They need me. And that's a great mentality to be in practice docs. We don't need those people. That's a scarcity mentality. The abundance mentality is that they need us. They, they need us. Right. But I'm not going to go out of my way and, and, and try to, you know, waste all my energy and try to convince them because a lot of those people that don't want to listen are the mockers. You're never going to convince a mocker. And, and that's, that's the reality. That's the hard truth. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If we want to waste our energy and our time on these pigs, then you're, it's a, it's a waste of energy and time. That's why you have your doors. They will call you when they're ready to listen. When they're in your office, that's when you pour into them. That's when the soil is rich to plant those seeds and pour into those people. And that's what you should do. And that's what you should look forward to. But I'm not going to go out of my way and, and try to convince a mocker. If they want to sit so, at the table and dialogue with me, then that's good. What version of you shows up to a day one new patient in your office? Like, do you, do you have, like, do you go into vaccines? Do you like, what, like, how do you show up? How do you separate? I mean, obviously you don't separate these worlds, but like, how do you keep this conviction hmm. on the shelf a little bit because like it's time consuming like educating is time consuming yeah so, well, right thankfully i mean when I'm, when I'm in my office i'm usually in my zone and i'm here to serve and i'm here to adjust 
I make it very clear that when they're in my office, I care about them. I love them. And I, and, uh, you know, there's a time and place to talk about these things. And I, when they want to get into the, you know, if I have a minute, I'll talk about vaccines with them and I'll try to educate them in the time that I have with them. But I always, you know, like I, I just tell them, Hey, we're going to be doing a vaccine seminar. I'd like to invite you to that. We'll, mm. we'll go more in depth on that because it, it is something where I just can't, you know, the three to five minutes I have with the patient is going to be, you know, I don't have time to dive into the whole history and the physiological responses of vaccinations to, with patients, you know, and I, that's why if you look at my, my table in my office, I have all these vaccine books, go look at those, pick up those books. Those, yeah. Are you looking for, so you just opened your practice four weeks ago. Is that what you yeah. said? Or, okay. Is it nice? to be back into a little less, I mean, this has got to seem like a freaking cakewalk compared to like, is it uh, nice? Yeah. Thanks for asking about that. Yeah. It's nice. It's, I feel, how do you say it? I am glad to be serving again. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like, Oh good. I'm just, I'm still bhtapper.com. I'm just a small town chiropractor, right? That's, I'm kind of going back to my roots here. Um, but I took a year off. I took a sabbatical. I bought an acreage or an old cabin in the woods. And, you know, I just, uh, I got a, I'm starting a mushroom farm. I, and I'm homesteading got bees and, you know, and mm -hmm. I just, so for the last, honestly, the last year I was waking up in sweatpants and slippers playing my banjo every morning. And it was, I was living the dream. And so, you know, it's good to get back into practice and have that purpose. Um, but we have a lot, like, like I said, it's, it's been a lot. We are suing, um, some of the most powerful people in the world right now. And that's like a David and Goliath lawsuit. And it seems surreal. That's even happening. So when I come to practice, it just kind of grounds me out like, oh, whew, like I just, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. How and did so you decide to not keep going? Cause I mean, like you said, you're having dinner with, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. Like, how did you not look at this, like starting practice, going back to chiropractic as setting down, setting down a torch that had been like lit for you, you know, like, cause obviously you could continue this and keep going with a right. message that is extremely, you know, you have a ton of conviction for. So how'd yeah. you decide, how'd you decide like, okay, I, cause obviously you're not setting this conversation aside, but like. It's time consuming, I would imagine. Yep. Well, you know, going back to the quote, you know, we never know how far reaching something we may think Sarah do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. Waking up in sweatpants and slippers, I feel like in my house, my cabin wasn't getting me anywhere. That conviction led me to go back into practice. And so I was the loudest when I was in practice because it serving others, that conviction was growing day in day. Got it. And so you know, I could still get loud and I, you know, I was, my voice was heard around the world when I was in practice. And so I, I, I still that conviction still there and I still have that fire and purpose. And I just am trying to, you know, always be on guard and always be ready to serve when that calling and the platforms are there to get loud again, you know? And so it's just, uh, and that's what we need to be ready as, as doctors of chiropractic to be on the lookout and be ready when those opportunities face itself for us to stand up and be bold and, and speak louder 
uh, and outside of our four walls of our office, that's when magic happens. And, and it, 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 that's what happened for me. And so always be on guard. And the heartbreaking thing for me too, looking back to was that there weren't, I was the only chiropractor there. What would it look like if all those chiropractors stood up and spoke out and spoke as boldly as I did? It would have changed the world. And we would have taken the reins in this mess. And the soil for that is still ready and still rich. And so that's where my message is at too, for Cairo's listening. We, we have that opportunity still today to take the reins of this mess. Again, do we have that conviction? Do we have that belief? Do we, do we believe that in our hearts? Well, and I feel like the conviction and belief can only grow once there's knowledge. And I think that's what's, I mean, I can't speak for all chiropractors here, obviously, um, nor would I ever want to, but I, th- I would imagine that it's a fear of rejection first and foremost, you know, like that scarcity mindset that you've talked about. Um, but also just like, I would get my ass handed to me in a debate about vaccines. That's a fault of mine. Um, you know, it wasn't in school. And then when I got out of school, I focused on growing a business and then growing babies. And like, so the answer is like, okay, okay, I'm totally, I'm right with you, Ben. I'm going to need about six months. I'm going to take a sabbatical, read and study the hell out of all of this stuff. And then I have to remember it and be able to like spit it back. And then I'll be right next to you. Like, right. do you feel like just that's kind of where a lot of chiropractors sit of like, yes, what he said, that's, that's right. all I got though. That's all I got. Cause I've been real busy and I'm very tired, very uh-huh. tired. My kids didn't go to sleep last night. Well, I'm going to tell you, it makes me, what you're telling me and what you're saying doesn't help my conviction to educate chiropractors because I have this conviction to like put on these vaccine seminars mm-hmm. for doctors of chiropractic to educate yeah. docs in this field because I can't tell you how many docs have reached out to me and how many docs I've tried to give information to and try to pour into them and educate them on this because it's it is it's a much much needed area uh, there's a void there that docs need to be educated on this topic because again the truth is on our side. The truth is out there. The, the, it's in the textbooks. It's in it's in all the textbooks. It's in, in all the immunology books. It's in the microbiology. It's all in the pathology. You put everything together. It's all there. It's on our side. It's not conspiracy. It's not disinformation. That's the funny thing about this, is they'll try to label it disinformation. Anybody that talks about vaccines is disinformation. They and it's like no, the truth's on our side. That's the craziness of this whole thing, and that's once you see that. That's when, that, like you said being educated. That's where that conviction comes in and, and, that, and you, the confidence, the certainty, and, you know, the conviction that will come through. And that's, uh, you know, again, it's, it's there, it's there. And so, you know, um, maybe you just inspired me to put on that seminar for doctors. I don't know. Were you thinking about that before I brought that up? No, or did you- I've been thinking about it for years. I was like, geez Louise, you're an Enneagram three. I have an idea. I'm gonna, so is that what's, what's the plan? Or do you want to do more speaking? Do you want to do seminars? Like, yeah, I mean, we've, I've get asked you're a month into practice. What do you got next? Right. I mean, we have, we're going, I mean, I get asked to speak all the time. We get, Mm -hmm. I got, we're doing a big seminar here in Omaha called the Ignite Conference. I'm asked to speak that. I'm going to Wisconsin here in a month to go speak at a a health conference there in Wisconsin. Uh, I got asked to speak at the Mile High in Colorado, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and I've, I get asked to do podcasts all the time. And, and so I honestly, I've been kind of saying no to a lot of them. And so, uh, and I just been kind of protected. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Well, Dr. Kim, yeah. uh, plug in for you. So I, I said, yes. And so I, I, you know, I just been kind of protective over my time because time is our most valuable asset. And that's right. the one thing too, where like, again, it was just getting so busy with all these events and podcasting and interviews. And that's where I kind of had to take a step back. And it's like, you know, I just need to protect my time. And that's a valuable lesson I learned in all this too, is how precious our time is. And, you know, and, and again, going into practice, I, I schedule my practice, my, my office hours way back. I'm only in the office, like 15 hours a week or something like that. And, and, and so I'm not even here full time and I'm about as busy as I want to be right now too. I'm only four weeks in and my mm-hmm. schedules are almost full. And so it's like, well, great. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, but again, I do feel like my wings are bigger than my office. I don't want to sound conceited. No, or, I, uh, yeah. yeah. And so I do feel like there's a, a bigger purpose for me, you know, and I don't know where that's at yet. Um, I'm looking at, you know, <laughs> I don't know. There's a uh, school in, in, in Bellevue, a chiropractic school coming to Bellevue, Nebraska. I saw that. I was like, man, maybe they need a good leadership there. I don't know if I'm too radical for them, but we'll find out. Do you out. think you're radical? You know, I think that I, I'm radical compared to in today's time in, in today's time, which is that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. I don't want to conform to the world. The world has gone crazy. Yeah. And so anybody that's that is reasonable and and uh you know speaking truth in a time gone crazy is, is going to be considered radical. And just like you know Ron Paul said, you know, truth is treason in, in an empire of lies. When the world is believing a lie, the truth teller is the radical one. And so I consider myself a radical and that's fine. But is this is the is the campus ready for a bold leader? Is the campus ready to take the reins? You know what I mean? Is and that's and that's where it's at. So if they if they want a passionate, convicted leader that wants to really take the reins of healthcare and to lead and pour into this profession, then they'll hire me. And if not, then they can just get a a, a someone that's just going to be a puppet. We'll say, don't die on the hill of vaccines. You seem very knowledge seeking. So I have two questions. One, where do you get your news from? I don't want to say like new, but like, is there anything that you trust is unbiased? Like, what do you turn to? I like breaking points. That's my favorite. A, that's a good question. I don't buy into any mainstream media. Like when I campaigned for Ron Paul, I realized how corrupt the media uh, really is, like on both sides, not just like the left side. Right. Oh, yeah. No. No. And so I I just don't listen to any mainstream media. You know, I do. I uh, Ron Paul is kind of slowing down, but I love Ron Paul's uh, Liberty Report. Uh, You know, Epoch Times, I like them. Uh, Daily Wire has some good stuff in there. But again, like you got to be very careful and try to really discern what is coming at you. You know, I think Malcolm X said you got to be careful with the, the news because they're the most powerful entity in the world because they'll have you loving the oppressor and hating the oppressed. And so I know full well I lived through that. And so I know exactly kind of what that that statement's like and and it's true. And so, you know, again, but you have to really be careful in what we're listening to. 
And so that's a great question. So I, I try to do the best I can and, and using discernment and, and, uh, and try to get a, a multitude of alternative news. Ben Swan was all, he's a good friend of mine. He's also in the lawsuit with me. Uh, he has the, uh, um, truth in media. And so it might be called something else now, but he's, he was, he is a awesome guy to listen to Ben Swan again, too. And there's other people trying to find other influencers because I feel like we are the journalists. We are the, uh, you know, that's why it's so important that it's in the, it's a pillar in the first amendment, truth of, of and uh, freedom of press that we have that, you know, freedom of press means that the government gets its hands off of this monopolization controlling of the media. We don't have two more hours to talk about that. Cause that's a whole different rabbit hole of with your experience. And like, the Twitter files and like just all of this. Yeah. yeah. Thankful the Twitter files are finally shining light on the disinformation stuff. I mean, I knew that there were emails that, and, and the funny thing is here's the interesting part. Um, that's not just the, that, that's not the only email that was sent to Twitter because I got contacted by an attorney a few months back about emails that had my name in them from the government colluding with Twitter from the government and the CDC. And so what does that tell you? So there's emails out there that not that was from the Financial Times that the the Twitter files posted. It's like they need to post the other emails that were from the CDC and government. But that's maybe that'll reach Twitter files someday. But who knows? Do you think anything's going to change with Elon taking over Twitter? Uh, I had a blue check mark for a day, then I, then they took it down. Wait, was, are you back on Twitter? Yeah, I got yeah. So oh, I think okay. So I got back on Twitter, um, but they, I feel like they council shadow banned. You know, um, I'm not that, on Twitter, so like, no, that's fine. I forgive you. I forgive okay, you. thank you. Sorry, <laughs> I did it. I accidentally offended you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm so mad at you. Just joking. But the uh, the Twitter, uh, you know, my wife's like, it's a big waste of time anyway. My dad is so, but I still like to post stuff on there. But you know, um, when I did, it was funny because I had twenty something thousand followers on Twitter, and then I got the account suspended and i put it i put in like 100 appeals and finally i got the account back and they said you have to go in and delete this post delete this post delete they were like showing me the post i had to delete and so and i really am kicking myself because i wish i would have saved all of those posts because it would have been good for the lawsuit but mm -hmm. they they made me delete all those posts and then they gave my account back and they said if you violate again you're going to be permanently deleted well i think it was maybe 48 hours and then i got permanently deleted and so then they and then people were posting hey elon like they would, there was like these campaigns going around to get the disinformation back on Twitter. And I think um, I was one of the last ones they finally get, get reinstated. So I'm, I'm back on. I mean, so do you, the whole like First Amendment, do you believe, and I, my husband is like Ron Paul. So like, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say here. Freedom of speech means you can say anything you want. Yes. Like, yeah. So, so if, like, if you're a moron saying something and like, I disagree with you, guess what? Yep. I'm going to fight for your right to say it because liberty means it goes both ways. Freedom mm -hmm. means it goes both ways. Whether I disagree with you, whether I, I despise what you're saying, but you have the freedom to say it. Okay. But if you are hurting someone like physically, then that's, then there's a different story, right? You can't, you don't, you don't have the right to do that. But they're twisting that, like even with like the whole vaccine thing, they're trying to right. say. Right, there's that narrative of like, well, you're physically hurting them by blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, but they're perverting that. But, you know, there are five freedoms in the First Amendment, and we need to kind of go back and, and study that. But there are five freedoms. First of all, more, most importantly, the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of the press. We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom to uh, form an assembly. And we have the freedom to petition our government. Those are the five freedoms in the First Amendment. And, you know, during the crony baloney, all those freedoms were in violation. The government was in violation of the First Amendment and all areas of, of the First Amendment. A, they were, they hijacked the press. They hijacked, we couldn't meet at churches. We couldn't really, they were trying to say no more than six people meet or 10 people. And, and you know, all these violations were occurring during the pandemic. So anyway, yes, I think if you, uh, you know, we need to be able to, uh, say what we want to say, whether you disagree with it or not. And that's the, the, the beauty of freedom of, of speech. So one more question, and then I'll give you back your Friday. So do you believe that you, cause like there's, I don't know what book it was, but they're talking about like ranking people with information and, you know, and like where their brain goes. And, you know, there's like, the sports fan that's like, yep, this is my team. And then like, it starts to get to that like lawyer level of mindset where it's like, I am going to take all the information that supports my case. And then anything that goes against my case is like, okay. And then there's like the zealot. And do you feel, and not even about vaccines, but like just about, do you feel like you can keep your mind open? to to all information i like to think so i mean i have an open mind absolutely mm -hmm. and we need to be like you know i've studied uh, you know especially the vaccine i'm very convicted in this area in this stance right but i've looked at i look at more pro-vaccine stuff than than the anti-vaccine stuff because i've been so heavily studied the anti-vaccine stuff i want to know right. what they're saying. like i'm testing it out and that's what it okay and be. that's incredible and i don't think that's normal i wasn't expecting even that you know like that's cool right so like especially you want to be because it's like that's it what they're going to use to throw at you yeah it makes it easier to to be mm -hmm. an expert like see what they're yeah. saying go back in and, and then study it test yeah. it out you're like i'm really glad you did analyze. bring up that study i looked that's at that right. one i know that right. one well, you know, Mark Twain said, it's not what we don't know that gets us in trouble. It's what we believe to be true that just ain't so. So we need to really look at both sides and look at information, you know, and just look at it and test the waters. And, you know, another thing, too, is if you get into the vaccine debate, they're always going to say, show me the study, show me the study. Well, that's kind of a lost debate because, you know, there are studies out there. Like if you look at Miller's Review, there's over 400 peer-reviewed articles in there that talk about adverse reactions to vaccines. That's not my point. My point is peer-reviewed study just means that you got a group of people that agreed on a topic, and that's academia. That's not really, you know, the research. And so I believe that the most sound science is observational science, and we need to look at testimonials and like clinical data. And, you know, like, you know, if you have a mother's intuition that watched your child get a vaccination and then a few hours later, they have this adverse reaction. I mean, that's the most observational thing there is, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. It's a heartbreaking story, but that testimonial is significant. It's powerful. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of testimonials like that. The problem is that they're getting gaslighted by these pediatricians and these other physicians and say, oh, there's no correlation. It's a genetic thing. That kid's going to be sick anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And gaslight the mother. And those parents are pissed off and they come to people like me. They're like, hey, what? 
what and I can't tell you how many stories that's happened. And so that again will fuel fuel your conviction. Mm-hmm. But but again, looking at both sides is vitally important. If you want to be an expert in any field, you have to look at both sides. And if you look at the the book, The Art of War, know your enemy, know what they're putting out there, know every angle, mm-hmm. everything they're saying, everything they're doing. And that's why I, you know, I look at the vaccine summits. I look at the 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 AV, AVI or the advert advert advisory committee for immunization practices, the ABIC, and the national water reporting system. I follow that the data, the subclinical data for the, um, you know, the CDC and all those things. I've been following for over a decade. It's not fun to look at that stuff, but it's it helps you know where the wind's blowing. Because if you just are one side and polarize to the anti-vaccine side and not look at everything, you're going to be you're going to be left in the dark. So we need to be proactive and look at what what they're putting out constantly. I mean, just like the, you know, the CDC took out crawling as a monumental landmark child developmental stage. And it's like the dumbest thing ever, you know. I mean, Dr. Llewellyn at Palmer would be crawling his grave when you when the, he would say that when the babies crawl, his grandchildren crawl. He'd always say, "Go, Mylan, go," and he'd have a, you know, he had a shirt made, "Go, Mylan, go," and they'd crawl. And so, like, <clears throat> it was a very it was a landmark in developmental stages for the nervous system. And you know, the CDC just doesn't even care. Like, oh, let's take that out because they know that these at the the vaccines are causing, um, you know, delayed kids will stop. Yeah, like. Well, if we don't want them to be concerned that their kids aren't hitting the milestone, let's just take out the milestone. They got the milestone, right? So, All right. Thank you so much. Um, I could legit, like, there are so many rabbit holes that we could, we'll have to do a part two at some point. Or I'll come out to your yeah. bee farm. Um, okay, so you're like, you know, hit me up if you're in Wisconsin, you're going trout fishing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going there in May. Yeah, I'll be there in May. So that's right. like months away. That is, yeah, that's fishing opener. Yeah, May. That's usually uh, I get in trouble when it's on Mother's Day weekend, but it's you know the weekend after, so I'll be up there. We like, and you're in northern Wisconsin. We are by the so the Kickapoo. Okay. You know where the Kickapoo is? I should, but I don't. Good. It's a great river. <laughs> no, it's it's, the, it's Wildcat State Mountain. Because so we still have like four feet of snow where I'm at. I'm like looking at this lake, going, huh. Yeah, it's cold. Every year we go up there, I always forget how cold it's going to be. I mean, the very first year I went up there trout fishing, I just, I'm like, oh, it's going to be 65 degrees. So I brought a comforter. Like I was not an experienced camper and not an outdoorsman like I like to say that I am now. I was in my late 20s and I, um, it got down to like 28 degrees at night. I'm like, screw that. I actually called it quits after that. (laughs) Going to the Holiday Inn. (laughs) I was like, get me out of here. I was so frigid. I still fish the next day, but I'm like, I'm not camping again. I went home, but I, but, and then I've been up there now. I got a sleeping bag. That's like, I mean, that can be negative. It's rated for like negative 75. And so I'm, I'm cozy. And anyway, it's a, it's a great time. It's my favorite thing to do up there. Trout fishing. It's a beautiful spot. Kickapoo river. Well, thank you so much uh, for this. Um, she slayers uh, go yeah, follow his current account. It'll be a sixth or a seventh or a eighth. We don't know how many oh, accounts, <laughs> how many, yeah. but. Well, I appreciate the the invite. I appreciate your time. And I just pray that we inspire some caros to to be bold and and to, to face another you day. You sure as shit did that. Good job. So, all right, She Slayers, until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. 
They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. 